You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Hebrews 10.24. Let's get to the actual message, though, this morning, but that is the most important message. There is no more important message than the gospel. We're continuing our series here, An Invitation to Dedication. There is no such thing as an undedicated Christian. I want that to be burned into our minds by the end of this. I think we're finishing it next week. There is no such thing as an undedicated Christian. To be a Christian is to be dedicated, to be wholly given to Christ. To be able to say with boldness and with truth, it is no more I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. Can we say that? Can we say that? And if we cannot say that, do we wish to be able to say that? Do you wish to be nearer to him today than you were yesterday? Do you wish to be more dedicated today than you were yesterday? And in this passage of scripture, we see this invitation to dedication. An invitation that was given 2,000 years ago that's still open to you. But will you accept it? That's the question. Now, if we will ever hope to be able to say that we are dedicated to Christ, there are some spiritual truths that we must carry with us every day. Now, I already mentioned this, but let's not put the cart before the horse. Before you will ever be able to carry spiritual truths with you, you have to find the truth. Do not expect to be able to live a spiritual life if you've never been spiritually born. I want you to think about Nicodemus, a very religious man, a Pharisee. It appears one of the head Pharisees. You realize in order to be a Pharisee, you had to have the majority, if not all, of the law of Moses memorized. Genesis to Deuteronomy, you had to have it memorized. When people had a question about the law, they went to a lawyer, a a Pharisee. They had to know where to find the answers and what the answers were. This man knew his Bible knew his Bible more than a lot of other people in his, in his area. He was a very religious man. But what did Jesus tell him? Except a man be born of water, how many of you are alive today? All right, you qualify for that one. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. You have to be spiritually born, or you will never have a spiritual life. The only way you can have a physical life is if you're physically born. How do we expect to have a spiritual life if we have never been spiritually born? How do we expect to build something beautiful with our life, or have the Lord build something beautiful out of our life, like Miss Sally just saying, if we don't even have the foundation right? You will not work your way into heaven. You will not bargain your way into heaven. You will not sneak your way into heaven. You will not force your way into heaven. You will not beg your way into heaven, borrow your way into heaven, steal your way into heaven, hope your way into heaven, pray your way into heaven, love your way into heaven, hail Mary your way into heaven, or baptize your way into heaven. You will not give your way into heaven. There is only one way into heaven. Ye must be born again. And if you cannot go back to that day where the Lord changed me, old things were passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We were made a new creature because your old creature has your old nature. A corrupted, 
deceitful, desperately wicked heart that even when it tries, cannot love the Lord the way that it is supposed to. You must have a new heart. Ezekiel talks about that. Jeremiah talks about that. Moses talks about that in Deuteronomy. There's going to come a day where the Lord will be able to give you a new heart. And that is the salvation of Jesus Christ. We're sinners. Sin always brings death. Without Christ, you are dead. You are dead in your trespasses and your sins. But what does Ephesians say? Even when we were dead in sins, God hath quickened us. He hath made us alive together with Christ. Without Christ, you're dead. With Christ, you're alive. Now let me ask you a couple questions. Are you prepared to stand before God and explain to him why you trusted in yourself more than you trusted in his son? Are you prepared to stand before God one day and tell him why you trusted more in your religion or you trusted more in man more than you trusted in his son? Stop looking to yourself. Stop looking to the world. Look to the Lamb of God. The salvation of your souls is the foundation. That's the foundation. That is the foundational truth. You can lay no other foundation than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But what do you build upon that? Wood, hay, or stubble? Or gold, silver, and precious stones? What we're talking about in this series is building gold, silver, and precious stones upon the foundation that was laid by Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I'm saying to begin with. You can build something incredibly beautiful, but if it's on the wrong foundation, it's going to crumble at the judgment seat. You need to have both of them right. And getting the foundation right is the start. You have to have that settled before anything eternal can come from your life. Now, the first truth that we see, the first spiritual truth that we are supposed to take with us as a dedicated Christian, do you remember what it was in verse 22? It starts with a C, continuation. The spiritual truth of continuation, let's look in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Every believer should desire to draw nearer to God with every passing day. Now, in order to do this, we need the next spiritual truth, which we talked about last week. We need some convictions. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. We need to see what the Bible says. We need to have faith that what the Bible says is true. And then we need to build convictions in our life based off of that faith that nothing will be able to shake. Remember, it's the devil's job to shake your faith loose. It's your job to hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. And that is rarely painless. It is never popular, but it is always possible. For he is faithful that promised. We can be faithful because he is faithful. Now this kind of leads us into our message for today. There is a special comfort, isn't there, to know that when you live your life in faith, you are not alone. There's a song that I love listening to right now, and it says, God will never let you stand alone, so stand strong. There's a special comfort there. Jesus walks with those who walk by faith. God stands with those who stand on his promises. Now, that needs to be enough for us. It needs to be enough for us for us to say, I do not need anybody on my side as long as I'm on the Lord's side. I have decided to follow Jesus, though no men join me. Still, I will follow. 
But I want you to look around this morning. Go ahead. Look around this morning. Crane your neck just a little bit. Look at who God has allowed us to serve him with. There is no greater help. There is no greater comfort, no greater encouragement than knowing that God is with you. But isn't it also a help? Isn't it also a comfort? Isn't it also a great encouragement to know that God has given us brothers and sisters in Christ to fight this battle together? He has given us people that we can rely on, that we can talk to. There's a reason that God refers to his children as a body. Because we're in this together. We're not assassins. We're an army. We are in this together. Look in verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So the next spiritual truth that we must carry with us, a spiritual truth that will help us greatly in living this life of dedication, a spiritual truth that is so vital in our life of faith, we cannot be surprised why Satan is fighting so hard to belittle it and cause us to neglect it. And it is the spiritual truth of consideration. So we talked about continuation, then we saw convictions, and now we're seeing considerations. What does consider mean? To think carefully about or to observe fully. I only have two points this morning, but don't get your hopes up. I have a lot to say. Notice with me, first of all, who we are supposed to consider. Let us consider who? Let us consider one another. I am to think carefully about you. You are to think carefully about me. Sir, look at your wife next to you. You are to think carefully about her. She is supposed to think carefully about you. Look at the brothers and sisters in Christ all around us. You are supposed to think carefully about them, and they are supposed to think carefully about you. Now, at any given time, we are considering something or someone. And usually, we are not considering one another. We're considering one. Number one. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says you are supposed to consider number one. But then it makes it very clear. You are not number one. The person who is all wrapped up in himself is overdressed. A preacher said this, staring up to admire your halo all the time usually creates a pain in the neck. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, and then we can look for ourselves. No, 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 no. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. People have turned the word joy into an acrostic. If you want to have serious joy, true joy, J-O-Y, in your life, you know, you think of first Jesus, then you think of others, and then you think of yourself. A man who is self-centered is off-centered. Let us consider one another. Now, notice the progression that God has given us in 22, 23, and 24 of Hebrews chapter 10. First of all, he brings our eyes upward. In continuation, we are to look to him and constantly want to draw near to him. And then he brings our eyes inward. We need to have some convictions. 
If we're going to draw closer to God, we're going to have some inward convictions. And now he's bringing our eyes outward in this matter of consideration. And you know what that shows me? If we live this life only thinking about God and ourselves, we will fall short of being dedicated. If we live this life only thinking about God and ourselves, we will fall short of being dedicated. We are commanded to love our neighbor as ourself. But you don't know what he did to me. Or you don't know how she hurt me. Or you don't know Cole like I know Cole. Or you don't know Brother Luke like I know Brother Luke. If you knew everything about Brother Luke, then I knew about Brother Luke. You wouldn't. Okay, all right. You may be right. Perhaps they did hurt you. Perhaps they did betray you. I'm, I'm sure they do have present faults and past failures. I'm sure that they do. That's a part of being sinners. That's a part of being human. When we truly consider one another, we're going to see imperfections. You know how the closer you get to the Lord, the more perfect he is? The closer you get to each other, the more imperfect we are. Right now, you don't see everything on my face. There's probably you know, pimples and hair sticking out everywhere because I'm trying to grow as much hair as possible for tonight because I don't want to win the nice try award. <laughs> when we consider one another, we will see imperfections. Because think about this. When, when we think wholly of ourselves, when we think carefully about one another, the first thing we have to think of each other as is human. That's what we have to consider each other as, that we are all but people. Even the best of men are men at best. The best of women are women at best. We are but people, and we all have like passions and infirmities. We are people with different personalities and, and different states and circ circumstances in this world. We are people who will often falter and will often fail. Are, are you poking your husband and saying that's you? <laughs> That's you. You always fail. You always falter. Right? We are people whose mistakes bring damage not only to themselves but to others. There's always collateral damage in sin and in mistakes. And it's here where many people find an excuse to give up on the other. I have considered you to be imperfect. Further than that, your imperfection has now affected me. So I'm done with you. I'm giving up on you. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Peter went through this before. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? You know the answer. We don't just give up on other people because they're human. Now, let's go further than this, though. And stay with me throughout this entire time. This, this is a feel-good message right now. This is, a, this is what Joel Osteen would say, and then he would stop. Don't just give up on people because they're human. What? Was that not good? Oh, I need to smile more. <laughs> Let's talk about the whole counsel of God here, okay? So no, we don't just give up on people because they're, as my dad would say, Poe buddies nerfed. Notice the crucial word in Peter's question. How off shall my what? How off shall my brother? So when we consider one another, 
We consider one another as human, yes, but then further than that, we consider one another as brethren. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. A man said this, we are partakers of the same grace, which means we needed the same grace. We are loved with the same love, redeemed by the same blood. We have the same spirit, the same faith, the same righteousness, the same fountain to wash in, the same fullness to partake of, the same throne of grace to go to, and the same inheritance to enjoy. We are all sinful flesh prone to falter and fail, but brothers and sisters don't give up on each other during those times. That's when we need each other the most. Galatians 6 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. Proverbs 17 17, a friend loveth at all times, not just when it's convenient, not just when the prodigal son has money, you love him, and then suddenly when the money's gone, you don't. That's not a friend. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for the good times. A brother is born for adversity. That's what we're here for. A brother is born for adversity. Therefore, we need to go one step further. We not only consider each other as humans, and we don't give up on each other at that point. No, we're brothers. That's what we are, that's what we are here for. But further than that, we are members of the same body. If we're brothers and sisters, that means we are members of the same body. So we have to consider how all of our differences are meant to work together. If your goal is to make so-and-so more like you, that's not being a body. If the whole body were the eye, where were the smelling? If the whole body were the nose, where were the hearing? Imagine if this church was completely and totally like you. How boring, how boring, in my case, how obnoxious and annoying and immature. <laughs> no, we need variety. I just want to go off and, Brother Rusty, let's paint the buses neon green. And he goes, no, 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 hang on. We need those differences in personalities. I'm like a Jack Russell Terrier. Brother, Brother Rusty is like, have you ever seen Homeward Bound? Okay. I'm like Chance, he's like Shadow, right? I just want to, you know, oh, there's a porcupine, let's eat it. And he's like, what do you, you know? We need that in each other. And we're all members of the same body. And when we consider how, when we consider each other as a body, that means when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Have you ever just hurt your ankle? What happens to the rest of your body? Have you ever just had a fever, men? What happens to the rest of your body? Shut down. All the, I saw something the other day. All these uh, people are taking your temperature as they walk into a business. And uh, so a, a lady, you know, a man was walking in. She said, sir, I need to take your temperature. I want to make sure that you don't have a fever. And he said, ma'am, have you ever seen a man with a fever walking? <laughs> it's very true. When you consider each other as a body, hey, we are human, but we're brothers and sisters. That's what we are here for, and we're all members of a body. When one part of the body is weak, that's when the other parts of the body work harder in order to give the weak part of the body time to heal. 
and time to grow. Now, here's where I must pause and be very clear about something very important. We are members of a body. And considering that a member of the body may be hurt is one thing. Or considering that a member of the body is weak is one thing. But when a member of a body repeatedly shows that it has no desire, it has absolutely no desire to, to unite with the direction of the rest of the body, or it has no desire to contribute to the rest of the body, that's something else entirely. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Church, I am your pastor. I'm not just your preacher. A lot of people want a preacher and not a pastor. I am your pastor, not just your preacher. And we are brethren and not just acquaintances. I can't say that word. Acquaintances. But I can't help you if you keep running to the world. I cannot pastor you if you keep running to the world. I can't help someone when they refuse to follow the direction that God has given to this body of believers. I can't help that. I can pray, certainly. I don't give up right away. But when there's a repeated pattern, what am I supposed to do? We are called to consider one another. Consideration is a two-way street. We are supposed to be a body, a unit, an army, and that can only happen when everybody is considering one another. When even one member refuses to consider somebody else or consider others rather than themselves, the whole body suffers. I understand we're human and we'll make mistakes. I understand we're brothers and we shouldn't give up on each other. But we are a body. And this body is going forward with the gospel. Are you in or are you out? Now, if you know you're in, sit there and smile and say amen. You're fine. Or are you out? Whose side are you on? Whose uniform are you wearing throughout the week? I know the uniform that we wear on Sunday. Well, what about Monday and Tuesday? And Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Whose uniform are we wearing? Is there something in your life that just makes you sick? Like a certain food? There are certain foods that my wife can't handle ever since she was pregnant, and then she just smells that food. I remember with Everly, it was any, just any type of beef. It was, I'm like, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I basically just locked her in her room. Is there an activity? Fishing for me. Getting me on a boat. That's why in the Amazon, he's like, I want to take you eight hours up river. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> Can we walk? You know, let's not go on a boat. I did get on a boat and it wasn't too bad. But fishing, where that huge boat is just bobbing up and down. My brain goes, no, absolutely not. The turbulence on the plane that we had from, from Bogota to Miami, some of the worst we've ever had. I was, just, I was hanging on to my tray in front of me half asleep. <laughs> What's going on? I can't do it. It makes me sick. God told that church in Laodicea, it makes me sick that you're lukewarm. I wish you were in. I wish you were out. But I can't stand this belief 
that you can stay right in the middle and act like you're in when it suits you, but then act like you're out when it suits you. I will spew thee out of my mouth. There is no life more miserable than a lukewarm life. And no pastor, no church, no brother can help someone who's determined just to do their own thing. We can't help that. It's like what Jesus said to the Pharisees. We've piped to you, you haven't danced. We've mourned with you, you haven't lamented. What more can be done? What more can we done? Some of you, you're struggling with that right now because you have saved family who's just off doing their own thing. You know that they know better, but they're just off doing their own thing. And you have tried everything to bring them back. You have children that are wayward. They're just gone. They know better, but they're, they're just off. You have spouses that are just not on board with you. You're going to come to church. They're going to stay home. And no matter what you do, they're just going to do their own thing. You have friends who know better. I have so many friends from high school and college that know better, but they're just off doing their own thing. And I've talked to them. I've reasoned with them. I've tried to be kind to them and show them love, but they just want to do their own thing. And it comes to the point where I say, the Bible says this, and they will literally say, I don't care what the Bible says. I know how I feel. How can you help that? You may not be able to help, but you can still love. You can still love, but you have to remember it's heartbreaking. But sometimes the, the best way to show love is tough love. The best way to show love to someone is by letting them hit rock bottom. Rock bottom is a foundation you can build off of. The best way to bring a prodigal home, stay home. You can't go out chasing after him all the time. Stay home. Stay where you've always, always stayed. Imagine if that son would have said, I'm done, I'm going back home. And then he gets back home and the father's gone. Well, he went out to look for you and he's never come back. Or imagine if he came home and the home looked completely different than when he left. Wait a second. All these rules that I wanted to come back to, all this structure that I wanted to come back to from my wayward life are all gone now. This is why I wanted to come out of the world back home so I could have that structure again. Father, what happened? Best way to bring a prodigal home is stay home. You know, in that same letter in 1 Corinthians, are you following? Are we following? In that same letter where Paul told Corinthians, hey, we're a body and we need to work together. Just a little bit earlier, he also said, hey, there's someone in your church who's messing around with his father's wife. Get him out. Says you, you release such an one, or what, what's, the, what's the phrase that he uses? Deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul was all about being a body and not giving up on people, but when there was a, a, a pattern of, I'm just going to do what I want. You know what God, you know what God told through Joshua to those Israelite people who were on the fence? It's time to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Because we're about to go forward, and if you're going to come with, that means you're on our side. We're not going to go over there and start worshiping other gods. We're going to worship the God. And church, to all of everybody here, 
Member, non-member, everybody here. I am assuming that you are here because the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear this. And if you have a church where, where you're from, where do you stand? Make a choice. Are you in or are you out? None of this in the middle stuff. The in the middle of the road churches are killing. Killing the reputation of Jesus Christ. All of that to say, it's an unfortunate reality, but there will always be believers who run from God and bring a schism in the body through their disobedience and rebellion rather than bringing unity in the body through obedience and submission. That is an unfortunate reality. However, it is an equally unfortunate reality that there are believers who falter and fail simply just because they're human and immediately they're forsaken by their brethren. And that's why the Bible tells us, let us consider one another not to forsake, but to provoke. And that's number two. Why are we to consider one another? Who are we to consider? One another. Why are we to consider one another? That word provoke means to stimulate, to incite, to sharpen. Have you ever provoked somebody before? Let me rephrase the question. Do you have younger siblings? What are you doing when you provoke someone? How many of you, you're the youngest child? I feel, I feel bad for you. You've never been able to provoke anybody. What are you doing when you provoke somebody else? You are using your words. You're using your actions. You're using your ideas to persuade someone else to act in a certain way. Now, I'm going to tell you a, a horrible story. And I don't want you guys to get any ideas. But this is something that I did when I was young and unlearned in high school. I think I've already told you this story before. We got to go to this banquet for the church. And we were sitting at a table with all the high school guys. And there's a guy who's a grade above me who just, he, he never lost his temper. He always had it. You know what I mean? Okay. Lost his temper all the time. And uh, it was just easy to kind of push. And I was in a pushing mood. Uh, and we got just this beautiful food. I think it was like chicken cordon bleu or something. Or, excuse me, cordon bleu. And mashed potatoes and like, this, this rice stuff and uh, just really good. Well, he was sitting next to me and uh, he got up to go get his drink and when he left, I took the salt shaker. But see, you all were playing checkers in high school. I was playing chess. I put it back, and then I took the pepper shaker, and I unscrewed the top. Just kind of sat it on there and put it back. Here he comes back, and he takes a bite, and he spits it out, you know, because it was too salty. Who in the world did this? Who ruined my food? Blah, 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 blah. I was, like, I was like, I almost said his name. His name was John. John, John, John. It was that guy over there. And I pointed at a college student at another table. I said, you know what you should do? You should put pepper in his food. And he went, yeah. <laughs> so he grabs that pepper shaker, 
and he goes over to the college student's table and goes just to put, you know, just a little dash, and the cap falls off. And <laughs> and panic ensued. Now, what was I doing at that point? I provoked him. I provoked John to anger and vengeance. Before he got up to get his drink, he was not in the mood to be angry. He wasn't in the mood to be vengeful. I got him in the mood to be angry and vengeful. That is provoking somebody. Now, that is not what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to provoke one another unto love and to good works. So what does that mean? Everything we say, everything we do, everything we believe should put other people in the mood to love the Lord and live for the Lord. That is provoking one another unto good works. Well, why don't people just do that anyway? Why don't people just do what's right all the time? Why don't people just love the Lord all the time? Why don't people just live for the Lord all the time? Are you asking for a friend or are you asking for yourself? Have you never come to the point where you were weary and well-doing? Have you never asked yourselves, can I do this anymore? Have you never said, I don't think I can do this anymore. Have you ever looked at loving and living for the Lord and thought, why is it so difficult lately just to do what's right? Why don't I read my Bible the way that I used to? I wake up every morning and say, read your Bible, and then I don't. How come when I pray, it just feels like there's a, a brass ceiling and my prayer doesn't go anywhere? Why am I not devoting more time to my ministry? Why have I lost my joy in serving Jesus? Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. And when you're already weak and you know you have to put to more strength, just to do something that you always have been able to do, it's frustrating. Now, every man here knows that a sharp knife is much safer than a dull knife. Easy. All right, this thing couldn't cut butter. Because with a dull knife, you have to push harder, and if you slip, you don't cut the carrot, you cut Mr. Pointer. With a sharp knife, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. You get more work done, you get more work done faster. We live in a dulling world. This is the most important part of the message here, and I know I'm already at time, but I feel comfort to keep going. And I know I have your attention. We live in a dulling world. We live in a world that brings out the worst in us, doesn't it? Peter with Jesus, I'll go with you to death. Peter with the world, who's Jesus? The same David that killed Goliath slept with Bathsheba. The same Moses that parted the Red Sea smote the rock. The same Hezekiah that rejected the Assyrians and invited the Babylonians into his kingdom. All of us have been made dull by the influence of this world. All of us. Don't answer the question, but how many of you are dull right now? And it's just becoming hard to do what you've always done. All of us have had moments where we needed to be sharpened 
again. Because we're having to put forth more strength. All of us have had times when we desired to continue to draw near to God. We desire to live according to Bible convictions. But because the devil is the devil, and because the world is the world, and because flesh is flesh, our faith is beginning to waver. And like Elijah under that juniper tree, you know what he said? I'm alone. And if I'm alone, then I can't do this anymore. Now I'm going to do something that every man in here is going to cringe at. This is a sharpening steel, but I'm going to use it in the wrong way. This is going to picture the world for a little bit. I want you to think of what happened to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 and 19. Elijah is in the middle of his ministry. Three years of drought. And he goes and he faces that heathen king and he says, I am not he that troubleth Israel but thou, because Ahab had just blamed him for all of Israel's troubles. False accusations. You know what that does to somebody? It's going to dull you. So then he says, I see the men wincing. You know, what is that going to do to this knife? It's going to completely take the edge off of it. So then he says, all right, king, I'm done talking with you. Let me talk to my people. Let me talk to the people that God has sent me to. How long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be God, serve him. If God be God, serve him. And the people answered him, not a word. So you know what he says? I alone am left. But fine. Me against all those prophets of Baal. Let's go. Showdown. And he watches his people so taken by Baal that they're jumping on these altars. They're cutting themselves with stones. People who should be worshiping Jehovah are worshiping Baal. He has to watch that the entire time. He has to be rebuild the altar. He has to cut the bullock up. All this physical toil, he does it all by himself. And the victory does come, and the people say, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God, and then he has to kill every single one of those prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. How tired do you think he would be afterwards? Why do you think he went up to that hill, and the Bible says he put his head between his knees? Rain comes. He actually outruns King Ahab in King Ahab's chariot. He outruns him back to the capital thinking this is it. Revival is going to come and absolutely nothing changes. In fact, the next day all he hears is from Jezebel. You're dead. You're a dead man. By this time tomorrow, you're a dead man. No wonder he goes under a juniper tree and he says it is enough. It's enough, O oh Lord. I am not better than my fathers. Take my life. And then you know what God says? I'm going to give you Elisha. And the Bible says, Elisha ministered unto Elijah. Doesn't the Bible say, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend? What does it mean when the Bible says that Elisha ministered unto Elijah? You know what he was doing? Elisha, you're not alone. God is with you. You've had an incredible ministry, and your ministry is not over with. You need to keep working, keep going. I'm not going to leave you. No, I'm not leaving you at Bethel. No, I'm not leaving you at Jordan. 
No, I'm not leaving you at Jericho. I'm going to stay with you the entire time. When's the last time you went up to somebody and instead of just thinking, they're in a bad mood, maybe they just need to be sharpened a little bit because we live in a dulling world. They were a little short with me. Well, have you, have you ever gone, hey, is, is everything okay? Why don't you come back to church tonight? Hey, pick your head up. This verse helped me. Oh, I wouldn't do that. That's cheesy. No, 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 what? What are we supposed to do here? Hey, let's be accountable to one another in, in this area. Is there any burden that I can bear with you? And you sharpen one another. Now, maybe you are just an introverted person and you come back and you say, you know, I'm good. I really don't need that. I don't need people constantly asking me how I'm doing. What if somebody else needs you? No, I'm not going to go to that fellowship. I really don't need the fellowship. I'd rather stay home. What if somebody at that fellowship needs you? Aren't we supposed to consider one another? Consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And what has this last year showed us? We need each other. We need each other. You realize how many burdens are being carried right now? We saw a man pour his heart out because he has a burden for his mother. We look at Brother Rusty and we think he's in the ministry. He'll be just fine. We live in a dulling world. People are bearing the loss of loved ones. We live in a dulling world. People have upcoming tests and, and mental burdens, emotional burdens, because they don't know what these tests are going to bring forth. We live in a dulling world. That's what we're here for, to consider that. We're only human. We need each other. Build each other up. The world is so divided. They need to be able to look at something and see some unity. And you know what the Bible says in Acts? When that church first started coming up and they had all things common, the Bible says they had favor with all the people. Because all the people in the public, all they could see was Rome this and then common people that. Everything was division, everything was... And then they see people in unity. And they said, I want to know more about that. And you look back and you say, it's not us. It's not anything that we've done. It is because we all have the same Savior. And you tell them about the Lord. But church, I know that this is more of a Sunday night, Wednesday night message, but when is the last time you've provoked somebody? Don't you need some provocation right now? How many of you couldn't, couldn't use somebody to come up to you and say, hey, I prayed for you? Be that to somebody else. You're going to need that. If we're going to be dedicated, realize at the end of the day, when you want to let go of your convictions, when your faith starts to waver, how many of you couldn't give testimony of a brother or a sister in Christ who came up to you and said, hey, 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 don't let go. You're doing right. Keep going. Be that to somebody else. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.